0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message.
1: Well, I am so glad that you are Joining us today, and let me also echo the sentiments of others that have uh, been on this stage, but I want to say also Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I'm especially blessed today to have uh, three uh, very important moms to my life here. My wife is, of course, in this service. My mom is in this service, and my mother-in-law, all the way from Kansas City, Missouri, is in this service, so yeah. Yeah. We also want to welcome all those that are joining us uh, on a screen somewhere. We, we want to make sure and mention that our um, campuses are joining us right now. Michigan Street Campus, Red Bug Lake Campus here at Curry-Ford. Can we go crazy uh, for them joining us right now? And uh, if you're joining us on the screen somewhere, we look forward to you being a part of this service. Why don't you lean in? God's going to do something very significant in your life, but we also want you to uh, do your best to join us in person sometime soon, because it's even better in person than the in-person people said. All right. Y'all are getting good at that. For all of our moms uh, here in person, this is why, one of the reasons why it's good in person, because we just couldn't do this uh, to, for everybody on our online campus, but we do have a gift for all the moms, as was mentioned there in the video, uh, on your way out here on this campus at the info event centers or the info centers, uh, but on your way out at all of our campuses we have a small gift for the moms, a little candle, it smells amazing, so I encourage you, we have enough for one for each mom that is here, and 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 so we just want to make you aware of that. Grab one of those on your way out. And uh, it's my privilege to get to introduce our guest speaker. And uh, before I introduce her, I just want to make mention of this. Uh, You may want to give towards her ministry. Uh, Now, some of you may want to do that in advance because you're just going to know that God's going to use her to speak to your life. You can do that on our digital giving. She's a drop down uh, there on there, Megan Faith Marshman. Um, But some of you may want to give after uh, you hear her and after God uses her to really uh, do something incredible in your life. I want to say this about Megan. Um, She is an author. She's got books, a resource table out there. Uh, She is... And I'm not using any hyperbole here. Like I know when you introduce guest speakers, you try to find something good to say about them. This is not hyperbole. She is one of the best communicators I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I have been so impressed uh, with the gift that God has given her, the gift that she is to the church. She travels extensively. Across this nation, uh, she's here today all the way from Long Beach, California. That's where she lives, but she's also a teaching pastor at uh, Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago area. Uh, she's also a women's ministries director at at uh, at camp at Hume Lake Christian Camps, uh, and she also ministers there at her home church, Arbor uh, Arbor Road uh, Church, and uh, so. Um, faith assembly it is our absolute privilege and joy and i want you to make her welcome as she comes megan faith marchman as she comes to minister come on church let's make her welcome today
0: I like people coming expectant. And that's one thing, by the way. I've been here a few times at some of your youth conferences and whatnot. You come expectant to church. And that's really good because God always, I said this yesterday, but God always keeps his promises. And one of, one of his promises is that if you seek to find him, you'll find what you're looking for. <laughs> so guess what? If you seek to find God this morning, you're going to walk out of this church service not disappointed one bit. And the same is true. In your quiet time, same is true in your relationships. If you seek to find God's image in people, you'll find it. It's easy to critique, isn't it? (laughs) Especially the family you didn't get to choose. But his image is all over it. It's all over us. It's all over his word. And I'm excited to share his word with you all. And as I do, I want to ask a question that someone asked me. It was a weird one because we were kind of crossing, we were walking past each other and it should have been the casual like, how are you? Good. How are you? Oh, we should catch up. Moving on, right? That's the normal, right? Here's what it was. She stopped in front of me and I was like, ah, she goes, how's your soul? (laughs) And I was like this, what was that? She's like, your soul, like, how are you? I was like, I felt so naked in front of her. I'm like, ah. But I've thought about the question ever since because I know someone in my life who has like everything. Popularity, fame, status, finance. I mean, he's wealthy, has everything. Multiple houses, just yet his soul is very empty these days. Okay, but have you met someone, though, who, like, has nothing going for them but the joy of the Lord is, like, all over that person, and their soul is, like, overflowing? Have you met someone like that? Okay, now we got a scale. How's yours? (laughs) If it's anything but overflowing, I believe God wants to change that this morning. And if you are overflowing, I think you get just to get some encouragement to keep going. If you feel empty, don't be ashamed to be right there because you showed up to the right place this morning. (laughs) Isn't that good news? Because he doesn't just want to fill you for you. He doesn't want to just fill you for you. My life illustration is that of a cup. I grew up going to church, a Christian elementary school even, and learned a lot, I remember, about what we should do as Christ followers, we should love people, and our cups should be filled, and so I took my little cup of love, and I'd run around, and I'd splash love on people, and splash love on people, and then, you know, and then I um, had friends, and then I played sports, and then I got married, had kids, (laughs) and, right? And it was when I had kids that I realized I had developed a really unhealthy habit. Not the, not the loving people. That's good, you should do that. <clears throat> but here's what I realized. I would love people, but then I would hold up my now empty cup in their direction to be filled up by their opinions of me. Right. Have you been there? It's not just people, is it? It's your job, social media opportunity, purpose, and when they notice you, appreciate you, sad, when they love you, when they say thank you, or on Mother's Day do the thing, you know, then we feel fill, feel filled up, right? What happens when they don't? A cup doesn't actually make a ton of sense on its side, does it? So here's my hope for this morning, that you would learn the importance and even have the courage to tilt your cup in a different direction. The way a cup was actually designed to stand, because I believe it was the way you were designed to stand too. Watch this, not being filled from other people or social media likes or people's opinions or people's approval or people's acceptance or people's invitation to the party that you didn't get invited to, no. Can you imagine being free of that? That's actually possible for you this morning. Watch this. Ladies, let's have a second. Me and you, since I am one of you, can you imagine? Watch this. Walking into Mother's Day with all that it is, for a lot of us, it's exciting. Because everyone like pauses and like considers all the work, you know, that mothering is, which turns out it's a lot of work. That's a nervous laughter. (gasps) But some people, I, I acknowledge Mother's Day is tricky. I'm really proud of you for showing up, some of you. So here's my hope. Ladies, that we would walk into the next room we're about to walk into, not waiting to be loved anymore, but trusting that we already are. And it, the reason I'm so excited about this is because it's a way better way to live. To walk into places, watch this, ready to love and free. Okay, here's why we can be free, because imagine this, imagine this cup underneath the love of God, which happens to look more like Niagara Falls than anything else, because here's the best part, it doesn't just fill, Paul prayed this, that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, and then spends the rest of the book of Ephesians chapters four, five, and six going, here's what an overflowing life looks like. So ladies, 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 watch this, watch this, you walk into rooms, and then you're just overflowing love to people, even the people, wait for it, this is going to be crazy, they don't deserve it either. And then you just love them. And then you just love them. And then you ask the Lord how to love them, because it may not look like the way that we think it might look to love them. Because we're no longer waiting to be loved back. That's the love of God. It is a love that sets you free to love like him, because then you're overflowing from that which is your source that he could be their source too, because they're just as thirsty. And they need to be satisfied not by your love and what we put on the expectation with it you see the difference? (gasps) And the reason I know Jesus wants to do this in you is because it's precisely what he wanted to do in her. Who's her? John chapter four. Turn with me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. If not, we got on the screens. And of course, as always, if you don't want to read that one, good news, I can read. So we're totally set. John chapter four is where we're headed. But before we do, I just want to pray. And because God alone really is the one that can transform hearts, I wanna pray. It's funny, I was about to jump into the message and then I thought, wait a second, I can't change your heart. Do you know how much I wish I could? I wish I could sit with each of you and shake you, which would be probably illegal, and then look at you in the eyes and go, you don't have to wait to be loved anymore. but I can't even convince you that with my words. That's why we pray. So if you know your life is anything but overflowing and you long to be filled, would you just extend your hands during this prayer as a posture to model a heart that you want to have opened toward whatever he might have to do? So Father God, here we are. And here's our cup. You know it completely. I believe you wanna do a lot of work with our cup today. You wanna to cleanse it and you wanna fill it with you. So Lord, have your way in us. And all those who agree, said in unison. Amen, John chapter four. I'm excited, can you tell? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter, I am excited. So John chapter four begins like this. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he, that's Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Quick geography lesson. Who's ready? Judea, here. Where he was headed is Galilee, which would be up here. Now, in between these two points is a little place we like to call Samaria, someone got it over here. Yeah, good job. Okay, so Jewish men who are traveling from here to here never went in a straight line. That's the fastest way, but they never went that way. Here's why. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Racial tension was real. Then as it is now. That's why, the, by the way, this church is so beautiful. Do you know that? This church is so beautiful. Okay, that's an aside. <laughs> you can celebrate what God intended a church to look like, beautiful. Okay, so all Jewish men, here's what they would do. Instead of going through because of tension, here's what they would do. They would just go around Samaria. they take the long road around. Kind of like how, is there anyone in your life that you just kind of want to go? <laughs> oh, me either, because I'm holy. I just always, no. We have that, right? People are uncomfortable. You'd rather just do this in the church. I'll get to you later, for sure. But listen to this. Listen to how different our God is. Verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go. What's the next word? Whoa. Anytime you pay attention in scriptures and it says that Jesus, God with skin on, had to do something, you should take note. Because Jesus doesn't have to, had to do anything. So why? And here's what we're going to find. Here's what we're going to find. God is in the habit of using messed up, broken people for his glory. He doesn't intend to use the people who show up to church because they're good enough. (laughs) See, there's two types of people in the world, right? Those who need Jesus and Jesus. That's it. (laughs) Which one are you? So we show up to church, and here's the good news, he meets us right where we're at, just like he did for her. So, verse five, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. What did Jesus do when he was tired? He sat down. We should learn from Jesus. (laughs) Anyone else running on empty? And maybe needs to prioritize rest? And a little shout out for the Ten Commandments. Sabbath is on there. (laughs) It's almost like he knew his people and their habits, right? It's almost like he knows us enough to go, I'm even going to model what to do when you're tired. Prioritize rest. Because if you're waiting for something to be finished before you rest, you'll be waiting a very long time. So he sat down by the well and it was about noon when a Samaritan woman, here's the reason he had to go, Came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? We already know a lot about our characters here. We know Jesus is doing the not traditional thing. He's doing ministry on the way to going and doing ministry. Ministry is not just about as soon as I get there, as soon as I have the job title, as soon as I get the ministry position, as soon as I, nope, on the way to wherever he's going, ministry was on his mind. Which means this, on the way from your chair to your car, Ministry can happen. I mean, we should stop limiting ministry to the people on stage. It's you. Our job is Ephesians chapter four verse twelve to equip the saints for the work of ministry. (gasps) Isn't that crazy? That's (laughs) so. My job is done. Let's pray. No, no, no. So on the way, we learn that Jesus is always living his purpose. He's not waiting for something to happen or a job title or an open door. He's not waiting. And second thing we learned is actually about this woman why because she's at a well did you catch what time she was there noon yeah and so you understand something florida Uh, (laughs) you understand the blazing heat of the middle east don't you right and so let's say we lived in a culture where we couldn't turn on a faucet to have water and we had to travel distances to go get water for the entire day would you go at noon when would you go Morning, yes, right? Maybe even before the start, the sun begins its thing, right? So, what do we know about the woman hanging out at a well at noon? We know something about her. She was hiding. I just had a couple conversations in the lobby with women who said, I've been hiding for years. I've been hiding behind a smile. I've been hiding behind a, How are you? I'm good. And by the way, if that's you, oh, I get to tell you this. It's such a privilege. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. That was the same response to sin Adam and Eve had in the garden. So not only are you not crazy, you're not original. What was there? remember the garden? They find out, they make the bad choice, and then here's the consequence, immediate ramifications of sin, of not living the perfect God perfection life that was required. Here's the, what happens next? We feel shame, which causes us to hide, blame other people, because that's easier than looking in the mirror. And then lastly, Adam and Eve, I believe they experienced anxiety and Fear. Can you relate? Anxiety, fear, ashamed, blamers who hide. You're not crazy. And here's the simple truth of this story. Jesus meets you right there. And he comes to you. Isn't that wild? So wherever you're at, maybe some shame from your past or a very recent present, maybe hiding from the world, yet knowing God knows you, but still hiding even in a relationship with, to him. Can I tell you this? Prayer is not a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. Hiding, blaming the world, living in fear and anxiety. Jesus meets you and he doesn't stop there. He engages in a conversation, and he wants you to engage back, not with just your intellect. Don't leave church with an intellectual assent to knowing more when there's a relationship that you can be known by. Don't stop there, because notice he starts with a really simple question. He goes, hey, will you give me a drink? And this is so like Jesus. See, I talk about living this overflow life. What we have in this first section is Jesus modeling an overflow life for us, Living his purpose on the way. He lives this overflow life. This is Jesus. And not only, how, here's some practicals to how he does it. Notice this he asks questions, even simple ones. I know we're in a world that right now highlights opinions. Not a lot of people are going to be celebrated for asking good questions <laughs> to get to know someone. Do you want to look more like Jesus? Ask more questions then worry about having all the answers because here's the crazy thing. The one who had the answer to every single question who could, that could ever be asked, of the 183 questions Jesus was asked, he only answered three directly. How frustrating, right? If you're ever intimidated enough to share your faith because you just don't have the answers, good. The one that had the answers didn't share them either. Do you know what he did? He engaged in relationship. He engaged in relationship. And that's, by the way, why we show up church is to engage with an actual relationship with Jesus. Not just learn a little bit of facts about a God, but to engage in it. So when he asks questions, he's wooing you to engagement. And if you want to look like him, ask questions. And this one was simple. Will you give me a drink? Because... Divine encounters oftentimes start with simple questions. You want to do ministry in the hallway? Start asking more questions. Rather than trying to be interesting, just become really interested in other people. It's a way better way to live. Why? Because it looks like Jesus. And it's interruptible like him too. Some of the most compelling parts about the life of Jesus are not what he was headed to do as much as what he did along the way. I mean, he was headed to the cross, yet look what he did along the way. In fact, a majority of his life, some of the most compelling stories that I read about are the ones when someone pulls on him. When when he's going one direction, and then he feels a tug in a different one, and then he just goes with it. Just like this moment, right? He was on his way to do ministry somewhere else, and yet he pauses for the one. Are you interruptible like that? I'm not. So I stand before you, not as the person that does it perfectly. You know, I'll even share your story. I remember being at the coffee shop, writing this message. As I was writing this message, here's the line I was literally typing. Divine encounters oftentimes start with simple questions. And I obviously put in my earphones because I wanted everyone to know how, how, um, how much I was planning to make friends that day. So I'm typing. Divine encounters oftentimes start with simple questions. A girl walks up. Excuse me, she can't be be talking to me. Clearly I'm busy, right, okay. Excuse me, she like leans over. I'm like, whoa, she doesn't understand social cues. That's okay, you know, God's grace. So I took it out and I even did this. What am I communicating? (laughs) I'm about to put that back in, yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so what was that? And she goes, do you know how to use a Macintosh computer? And I thought, I don't know who calls it that. But instead, this is actually a little embarrassing to admit. Instead, this is what I did. I do. Look at that, Mac buddies. All right. Divine encounters oftentimes start with simple questions. Oh, this is so good. Okay, so like, because I'm on my way to do ministry on the four-foot stage. This is where ministry happens, right? Me to you, right? It took me 15 minutes to read my own screen. Wow. And when I did, oh, God, okay. And I walk over to the girl, I'm like, I am so sorry. I do know how to use a Mac in Dosh computer. <laughs> <clears throat> and she goes, oh, you have a, do you have a minute? I'm like, I do have a minute. I'm literally studying the life of Jesus who had more than a minute. So I'm like, yes, I have a minute. She goes, oh, great, because like, my boyfriend got me this computer and I don't really know how to use it, but I'm like, I have to write this paper comparing and contrasting Islam and Christianity because I'm just trying to find the truth. And I almost missed it. And I fear far too many of us are missing it too because we're waiting for some big ministry opportunity. You're waiting for some microphone. Friends, you have one. You already have the microphone. It's called your life. And how you're living it on the way to wherever you're headed matters too. Including how you drive. (laughs) Watch out now. It's getting personal. Because Jesus does. He goes, I care about your whole life. Not just the one that's up on the stage. I care about your whole life. I care about how you live from here to there. I care about the journey because I care about their journey, and I want to use your journey to have them intersect. And if you're just passing by, you might miss it. Church, let's be interruptible for Jesus. And let's ask him for help because we get really consumed with our to-do lists. We get really consumed with what we're up to in this life. We get really consumed with our plans and our agendas, and I'm here to tell you, you'll miss his if you don't have an open hand. See, Jesus models the overflow life. He's living his purpose on the way to wherever he's going and seeing purpose in it along the way. He's not waiting for a job title to give him purpose. He's not waiting for a relationship status to change to give him purpose. He has one. And so do you. How do I know? Because everything that has ever been created was created on purpose with a purpose. Every single thing. Someone created this podium. podium. Why? So it would have a purpose to hold my Bible. And it wouldn't fall off. Someone created the cup not to be on its side but to stand up. Someone created everything to be created on purpose with a purpose. Everything that was ever created. And guess what? That includes you. You already have a purpose. And you can tilt your cup away from finding it anywhere else than the true source of it. And this is what Jesus does. Not only does he live the overflow life, he leads people to the source of life. The conversation continues and here's what happens. Will you give me a drink? Verse 10, Jesus answered her, or sorry, the Samaritan woman said to him, verse nine, whoa, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She brings up the conflict. He goes right through it. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. (laughs) Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, listen to it. The water I give him, what does it say? Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's good news. And I love this woman's response. It's very basic. Her response is like this. Sure. I'll take some of that. That sounds good. Sprinkle a little truth, a little love, a little everything, and then I'll walk out. Sounds great. But Jesus isn't content there. He goes somewhere deeper. To be honest with you, part of me wishes wishes it just kind of stops there, right? I have living water. Great. I'll take a little and then try harder on my own. Right? We do that a lot, don't we? But what's Jesus doing? He's leading them to the source of life. Now, he is leading them to himself. He's revealing who he is. He's sharing his life. He's engaging with theirs. Look at this. And then he's even doing something radical. He's listening to her, her story, the words behind the story. What She see, She brings up conflict, and he knows this about her, right? So he's engaging. He's listening. He's sharing. And in doing so, he's leading her a really good place. If you want to be a part of what God's up to, start like that. Listen, engage, because when you listen, you will learn how to love someone. The reason I know this is because I worked with high schoolers for about six years at a Christian camp. One of those summers, I'll never forget it, I was studying the questions Jesus asked. I was was studying how he asked questions, how he engaged with people, and I wanted to live my life just like Jesus. So I remember what I would do is my job was to be on the mic, running all the activities during the day, and then at nighttime, I'd walk into cabins of like, you know, six to 12 girls, and then I'd initiate and facilitate good discussion. Because I was reading these types of passages and going, Jesus wants us to be known in community. He wants us to ask questions. He wants us to share our life. So I would do, one summer in particular, I played this really Interesting game. I would walk into the cabin and go, okay, high school girls, <clears throat> who wants to play a fun game? And they're all like, this, I do. I'm like, perfect, everybody off your bunks. Super fun, this is gonna be fun. Everyone, let's get in a really fun circle and we're gonna play a game. It's called, If You Really Knew Me, You Would Know What? Isn't that a fun game? <laughs> all you have to do is finish the sentence and we'll go around in a circle and finish the sentence and we'll go one round, two round, and we'll, if you really knew me, you would know, and then just fill in the blank. And then we'll start really shallow and then go deep, 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 fun, fun, fun. Yeah. <laughs> one girl, one week went like this. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. Not even a little. Like not even, that doesn't, mm. And I'd encourage them twofold. Number one, I'd say, share your life. Do you ever have those things that you feel all alone in? Guess what? If you never share it, you'll continue to feel all alone. If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always had, right? A lot of us feel very isolated. Share your life. I just got to talk with a young mom in the lobby. Invite people over before the house is clean. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-oh. I know. Invite people into the mess so they can be okay with theirs and you can bring it to the right place. You know what I mean? So, I'd say share your life. Number two, even harder, ready for it? Listen to others. That's a harder part. Some people in this room are like, I'll share my life, I'll share my testimony, where's the mic? Where's the mic? Where where is it? For those, listen, because when you listen, you will learn how to love people. And and, and this is key, listening is not waiting for your turn to talk. You've done it, right? You say something profound, like always, and then they start talking, and what are you doing? In your brain, you're going like this, oh, I got something, hurry. No, you don't say hurry, your face says this, ah, while you're doing this in your brain. Hurry, ooh, I got something else. What was the first something? I think I'm like having a moment by myself. This is not, this is not just me, right? That's not listening. Listening is learning how to love. So I played the game and I would play it too. Because leaders never consider themselves the exception. So I'd go first. All right. If you really, first round, shallow. If you really knew me, you would know when I was 16, my mom got me a dog, and I thought it would be a great idea to name that dog Abercrombie. <laughs> How embarrassing. And then everyone went around the circle and named their animals. Then it got back to me. All right. Round two. If, and I share round two. After like round three, I'd say half the girls are crying. Round four, it was like all the girls except for that one girl, you know who you are. Right? Yeah, some girls are like, that is me. Uh-huh. So we'd play the game. Round four was the moment I'd say this. All right, if you really knew me, you would know that since I really understood my, my cousin's severe special needs, you would know that um, I really hate when people use the word retarded to hurt someone. You'll know that about me. And then I liked this round. It would go around and everyone would share kind of that holy discomfort it was a really beautiful round to go like, maybe God's put this on my, reason, on my heart for a reason, right? And can I just, as a guest to the church, let me say this. If that holy discomfort has to do with church, I have a feeling you might be a part of the healing, not by blaming the church, but by recognizing it's you. Whenever someone goes to me to complain about the church, this is what I do. Okay, I want to hear it, and I do. I want to listen and learn how to love you. But before you continue on, I want you to know you're talking about me. Okay, go ahead. it changes it when it's personal. Because anytime we critique the church, we're basically critiquing ourselves. We are it. It's not the people that stand here. It's you. It's you, church. We are the church. What the people are critiquing is us. If only we would say, yes, it's full of hypocrites because I'm there. And I need Jesus. Because I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to think about myself. That's what people need. It's not a person that's trying to be, pretend to be perfect, but one who knows who is, right? Oh, that's just an aside. So the game, back to the game. Play the game, played the game. And I'd share my holy discomfort. It was like, after, after round four, I'm like, I'd look at the leader and I'm like, uh-oh, gotta go, but you got this. <laughs> that was mean. And the leader would look at me and she's like, you don't even have a watch. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I'd go into the next cabin and initiate and facilitate. Sharing your life and listening. Why? Because Jesus did. Share, engage, listen. Share, engage, Listen. Engage, listen, ask questions. The reason this matters is one particular week. The reason I'm bringing it up is this one week after, the night after, or the, the morning after, I was leading all the relay races that day. And there's a thousand high schoolers and I'm getting them back behind their cones to explain the next relay race. And there's this big open field and half the teams, half the teams. And I'm on the microphone and I'm like, okay, for the next relay race. And suddenly a freshman boy dressed as a banana jumps out and starts running across the field. I'm like, no. You know, and so banana boy is like running across the field and this whole side's like banana and I'm like high schoolers Oh man, so banana boy is running across and then suddenly on this team. This is where it gets interesting The boy jumps out dresses a gorilla And I'm like, what is happening? What is happening? Now, Gorilla Boy is chasing Banana Boy across the field. This whole side's like, Gorilla. You guys are wondering, what's the point? It's coming. So, Gorilla Boy is now chasing Banana Boy across the field. Suddenly, Banana Boy trips and falls and, like, hits his face. And the whole audience is like, ooh. And then Gorilla Boy shouts out, you're such a retard. One sophomore girl from the night before sprints from her cone stands beside me, puts her arm around me and whispers, you don't have to be alone on that one anymore. Church, if people don't know you, they won't know how to love you. Some of you may not feel loved here. Let me lean in. Do they know you here? And if they do, if you're well known here, then let me tell you your job listen you will learn how to love people really well if you pay attention this is what Jesus does will you give me a drink why are you talking to me good if you knew who was talking to you you'd, you'd ask and I'd give you living water really where's your cup Jesus responds basically you want to talk about cups And then he doesn't stop there. Here's why. Because God won't be a part of your life. He wants to be the whole thing. So he goes there. Go grab your husband and come on back. She says about that. <laughs> I don't have a husband. He says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you're not living with is not your husband. Which, by the way, if you're a numbers person in the Bible, seven means perfection. Jesus was number seven in her life. So basically, Jesus does this. Hey, you, living water, want it to overflow, but here's what we got to address. Where are you running to quench your spiritual thirst? Where are you running to be filled? Can I tell you this? This moment is actually really liberating when you acknowledge that thing, that person cannot satisfy me, I'm going to fire them from that role in my life and apologize for putting them there. Spouses make crummy gods. Don't nudge them, it's you too. Future spouses, the longing for a spouse does not, they will be crushed by savior-like expectation, or they'll put on a front to, to, to try to save face, to be everything that you need for them to be for you. And then they they won't even be known by you either. So let me ask, but let me ask, I hope as kindly as Jesus does, where have you been running to be filled up? Because I fear so, so many of us are running to our jobs. So many of us are running to a longing for a certain relationship. So many of us are putting this right in the direction of our little kids. And I'm here to tell you the freedom of what Jesus is inviting is he's saying, I'm going to address this, but it's because I love you. It's because I love you. And if you'd only tilt your cup elsewhere, you would see no experience and then overflow my love. See, I've wondered about this woman for a very long time. See, because for years I went, I don't actually relate to her. I don't have this issue of running to be married to lots of, that's not, my, that's not me. I haven't been trying to be filled like her. And so I remember sitting on my, my couch, my beige couch, couch with my hands open and going, God, I can't relate to the woman until he opened up my eyes to see that I absolutely could. Why does she run to men, and why do we run to our stuff? Here's why. Because she, like me, deeply longs to be loved. You too? Number two, she deeply longs to be accepted. She deeply longs to be significant anyone else? And so I sat with the Lord and I went, okay, okay, what do I do with these longings? And here's what I felt convinced of. These longings aren't bad. They're just problematic if you have them satisfied by an unknown future. That's why we're so anxious. They're only bad if we try to find love from other people today. They're only problematic if we're holding out our empty cup in the other direction of people who are holding out their empty cup in our direction too. We need to model to them a different way. One that goes, I trust and I know that I am loved. See, the key with this woman and meeting Jesus in this moment and for you this morning is this. In Christ, you are already loved. Now hear this, church. Many of you already know it, so I have a different word for you. Are you ready? You're really loved. And if you're convinced that you know it, you don't know it deep enough because I wonder if you can bring out that one place that you've been hiding and then you could see that he loves you even there. And you'll see a radical love, not just a love of what looks nice on the outside, but a love of every mess that's been made in the meantime. He loves you in knowing all of you. And by the way, that's why it's important for us to show up to church and show up to community at church being known because we can trust that Jesus is in them and that we might be able to experience his loving kindness in them through them to us. So many of us wanna be known by the world. Can I argue? Don't. (laughs) But bring your true, honest life to this place because Jesus dwells within people and he can show his love through them to be known here. If you're not known here, it's gonna be difficult for you to find love here. But the love that you actually need is gonna be when someone's the true source of their life and his love is flowing through them because suddenly it's without expectation. So let me ask again, but let me ask kindly. Where have you been running to be filled? It matters for you to address it because not only are you loved in Christ, but because of what Christ has accomplished on your behalf when you stand before the Father, watch this, you're already accepted there too, fully forgiven, fully loved. If that's true of you, why not live like it's true today? Come out with the thing you've been hiding to God himself. Let him show you his immeasurable love, fill you with it so that he might send you to overflow it to a very thirsty world. See, we have to address, we can't keep hiding because God's plan for us doesn't stop with us. This is why it ultimately matters because anything that happens to you is never meant to stop with you. It's ultimately meant to go through you and into the life of another. How do I know that? Because verse 28 says this. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Transformation has begun in her life. You want to know how I know? because she is going into town to the very people she was hiding from, and she's starting the conversation with the very thing she was hiding, which tells us this, your past will be Satan's greatest weapon against you or God's most powerful tool for his kingdom. It's one or the other, which will it be? Which will it be for you? Will it continue to be this side pocket that you have to continue to hide from everybody? Or will it be your greatest testimony? See, your greatest testimony is not your goodness, it's his grace despite your badness and the freedom you have to proclaim it. Wow. And it doesn't stop there. Verse 39 says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? because of her. Because Jesus met her. And I wonder, church, who people are going to change because you met with Jesus this morning. Can you imagine the freedom on Mother's Day for the moms to show up just ready to love because they're already filled with it? Can you imagine? And the dads that don't feel the opportunity obligation to fill them but rather overflow to them what they actually need can you imagine it'd be like walking into a room just overflowing love walking into a room not worried about what people think about you because you know what he thinks about you and he loves you he accepts you and notice with her he invites you to play a really significant part of his story So why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Because God is in the habit of using messed up people for his glory. That includes you. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.